Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. And I mean that today, potentially more than others. We have a truly groundbreaking episode coming your way. The history of this podcast was one way, and then after today, it will be another. We have the first ever Spotify question answers coming in hot on the pod. A feature of Spotify I have refrained from using due to the mental health ramifications of some of the more negative answers, but today... We dive in with two feet and we see what the people say regarding last week's Spotify question of how cool is Billy Darcy and why? Sunglass emoji. Sunglass emoji. Okay. So looking forward to that. High highs, low lows with those answers. I've not looked at them yet to preserve the authenticity of my reactions and I'm hoping for the best. Okay. Also, last weekend, I opened for Trevor Wallace at the Enmore Theatre, so a couple of good yarns there. It's all happening, dude. But what is going on? Halloween. Halloween is here. Unbelievable. It's still here. When will Halloween end? It's like a week-long festival. Some of these Yanks, dude, that I follow on Instagram, they're, they're dressing up like as a different person every day. I don't know what goes on. I don't know when it starts, and I don't know when it ends. I will say... For anyone who has been looking at celebrities dressing up as cool stuff on Instagram, shout out to Australian icon Delta Goodrum, who dressed up in her school uniform from her days on the hit television show Neighbours. Unbelievable stuff from Delta, who's definitely still got it. For anyone out there potentially waking up from a Timothy Chalamet sex dream, questioning their sexuality... If you want to double check, I would recommend those JPEGs extremely highly. My God, Delta Goodrum, Jesus Christ. Does this chick even age? You know what I mean? It's like Delta Goodrum and Avril Lavigne. I don't know what's in their skin, but it's it's not moving. Whatever's in there isn't moving. My Lord, shout out to Delta Goodrum, one of Australia's true icons. But anyway, I shouldn't really talk about Delta's appearance for too long off the rip. Don't know if affect the overall tone of the episode too much, but speaking of Seppos and their ridiculous customs, I've become heavily addicted to the US version of the television show Alone. I watched the Australian version earlier this year. It was the first season ever. If you don't know about Alone, it's the show where they drop 10 people in the middle of the wilderness with some supplies, but nothing really. And it's just last man stands. Whoever survives the longest wins. And I don't traditionally like to give credit to the Yanks where I can avoid it. But my God, the US version of Alone is so much better than the Australian one. It's not even close. The Australian one, there was just nothing around. They were in Tasmania. There was no animals around at all. It was just like a starvation contest. Blokes were just getting sad as hell. The first American app, like you see like three bears, two wolverines, there's squirrels and rabbits and blueberries. They're just living La Vida Loca in the American one. And the American survivalists or wilderness experts or what have you, they are so much more full on than the Australian ones. The American guys are just frothing, like they just live for it. The Aussies... It felt like some of the Aussies were just people who went camping with their families at Easter. 
I don't know if they were necessarily survivalists. Like two people dropped out of the Australian one on day two because they were hungry. And it's like, yeah, dude, this isn't even real starvation at this point. This is day two. You, you're a bee's dick away from intermittent fasting at this point, mate. Show some ticker for Christ's sake. But the American one, dude, they're so hardcore. They're willing to lose everything out there. One guy said in the first episode, I have no wife, kids or anything at home that will stop me from succeeding in this challenge. Which has got to be one of the coldest things anyone has ever said on a television program. Just saying, mate, I have nothing to lose. No one is waiting for me. I'll die out here. I've started saying that to blokes who push me at the pub. Some guy gives you a little hip and shoulder. Just look into his eye and say, mate, I have nothing at home that will stop me from this challenge. And watch him run the other way, dude. <laughs> the Australian show sucked. I don't know. I, I feel terrible talking shit about, about this great nation. But my God, the Australian one, like one woman, I remember she started a fire and she was like celebrating. She was like, oh my God, I started a fire in the Australian one. And I thought, if that's your energy, you have to just starting a fire. Like it was like a miracle. I don't know if this is really the show for you, babe, to be honest. I mean, the Aboriginal guy on the Australian one, he went home uh, on like day three or something, maybe even day two. And you think, oh, the Aboriginal guy, he's going to be all over this. He'll be talking to the trees and shit. No one stands a chance. But he went home uh, because he said he listened to the land and it told him to. He said the country told him not to be there. Which is just unbelievable, dude, really, when you think about it. If I was Aboriginal, I would be using that whenever I could. Imagine you're at some barbecue with like your workmates and it's like a mandatory social thing. If I was Aboriginal, I would just put my hand on a tree and be like, guys, I'm so sorry. The land is telling me to leave. I, I must listen to the country. I got to get out of here. Yeah, what's that? The land is telling me to go and blaze at home with Rowan. I'm so sorry, guys. I must. I must listen. You know, the Aussie one was so grim. The chick who won the Aussie one, she only won because she accidentally stepped on a possum while taking a piss. Like, no one could find any food. They were all just starving to death. They all came in so overweight and then just, like, used, just got by on that fat supply or whatever. It was really grim. The Yanks, dude, they're in the Arctic Circle. They've got, like, fish and bunnies. This guy, Roland, stabbed a moose to death. That's hand-to-hand -hand combat with a moose. You can't really... There's nothing that happened on the Australian one that could top that at all. It was re The Australian one was kind of grim, looking back. I think maybe Australia is like too desolate or something. Like, I remember the woman who won. She... The first... Like, the animal she saw, only thing she saw for two weeks, she was like, what's that? And it was a tiger snake. And it's like, dude, this is just not the chillest environment to film a TV show in, you know? How hungry are you? You ready to throw down with a tiger snake? At least if a moose bites you, you can sort of shake it off a bit. My God. But the American one's unbelievable because at a certain point, you know, they've got bunnies, they're trapping shit. And it's blokes who are like, I grew up in the woods. My dad, my dad was a moose. One guy himself was raised by a moose. It was unbelievable. And at a certain point in the American one, it just sort of, you know, like 30 days in before winter comes when they've got the bunnies and they're fishing. One guy caught like 26 fish in 
like the first week. 26. At, at a certain point, it does just become like better homes and gardens. You're sort of just watching a poor guy thrive. They've got like their little shelters and they're chilling. One guy made a guitar and started writing country hits. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. It's so good. I'm watching the Million Dollar Challenge series. No one tell me. I've still got the last episode to go. No one tell me. And, oh my God, it's just chalk and cheese with the Australian one. I'm not sure where in Australia they could do one where it would be fun because I think Australia is quite harsh. You could put them in the desert. That's going to be pretty brutal. But at the same time, these survival people, you can't put them somewhere too good because they just start to really just live there. At, at a certain point, you are just watching a guy mill around, you know? If you're not, if they've got like four fish, three rabbits and a moose all waiting for them and they're living in like a hut. Like one guy, this guy Roland, his hut that he built in the Arctic Circle, if, if it was in Surrey Hills, he'd be paying $3.40 a week. Do you know what I mean? He's, they're doing pretty well, these guys. The funniest thing about this series was one guy came in talking so much shit. He was like, I'm the number one survivalist on the planet. They've all watched the previous seasons. They're like obsessed with this shit. And then he lost his fire steel and had to go home just in complete tears because he couldn't start a fire anymore. And it's like, I don't want to tell anyone how to live or like to not be confident in their skills, but... It's so crazy to brag and talk shit before being dropped off in a helicopter in the literal unknown. <laughs> it's like, where you going next week, Bill? I'm just going to the literal unknown. But yeah, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to absolutely destroy this. What's going to happen out there? What are you going to be faced with? Oh, I've got no idea, but I just know that whatever comes my way, I will, I'll be on top of it. Like, what a crazy thing. But where I'm up to, it's like minus 30 degrees, winter, there's like two people left. And thank God winter comes, because otherwise this show would pretty much just turn into Age of Empires. They just turn into like warring villages or something, you know, like so much better than the Australian version. I hope they're making season two of the Aussie one, but I don't know. Maybe just drop the Australian guys into like, I don't know, just drop them just off the back of the South Coast somewhere or something. Do you know what I mean? Like just somewhere a bit more, I'm not saying the Australian one should be too easy, but maybe everyone should have access to a 7-Eleven because the first Australian series, like they didn't eat for the first two weeks. You're just watching a guy sit there, just make notches in his belt and it was kind of uncomfortable. And then the guy lost because they were like, you literally anorexic. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't a lot of action in the Australian one in hindsight. I think it's better for me that I watch the Australian one first because, honestly, you can't really compete with the American one. But anyway, all right, we've got to get out of that. Can't be talking about the telly for too long. So this week, dude, I opened for American comedian Trevor Wallace, who's fucking huge. So yeah, got the opportunity to open for Trevor. Shout out to Rory Lowe, former guest of Get Around Me. If you didn't catch his episode, it was pretty wild. A lot of drugs. A lot of rock and roll, a lot of drugs, a lot of drugs. But uh, that was a cracking episode. He talked about like touring with Bert Kreischer on a private jet and all this crazy shit. So check out that episode. But shout out to Roy Lowe, mate of mine. Uh, he was opening for Trevor on this whole tour. 
and he couldn't do the Sydney show because he was seeing Jamiroquai in Adelaide. So love that for Rory. I saw, I saw his Instagram stories. It looked like a fantastic time. And uh, he recommended me for the gig. So always good to get a bit of help from a friend. And dude, I was pumped up. Back at the Enmore Theatre. I've never done the Enmore Theatre before. And now in the last two months, I've done it five times. And let me tell you, dude, the Fortress, the Enmore Theatre, 1,600 strong. And they're on top of you in there, dude. I love it. I cannot get enough of this room. I can see now, I only did 15 minutes of this show, but I can see if you were performing to 1,600 people, why blokes are doing like an hour 20. Because I can only imagine that like, if you were to do 55 minutes, it would kind of zip past a little bit. But anyway, so I get the call up for this gig. Bam, Pat Pat comes along. I put him on the door, shock. Shock the snake Pat Doherty has weaseled his way into a free ticket. Go get a beer with him beforehand. And I'm just so excited, dude. When you get when you mostly play to like 50 to 200 people and then you just get these opportunities out of nowhere to play to like 1,600, oh, so exciting. And so have a beer with Pat. I just walk, walk down King Street to the theatre shirtless, shadow boxing, okay? Sculling Red Bull. I'm excited. So I go out the back of the theatre. I meet Cole, his opener, his tour manager. Oh, and this was the other thing. So I was supposed to host, which means like I'll go on first, then bring on Cole, then bring on Trevor. They emailed me on the day saying, we have to take an intermission uh, because the theater wants one. So now you're going to go second and Cole's going to go on first and then do five minutes after the break. So I've gone from, you know, MC and going out there first to, to now closing the first bracket, really. There's only two comedians, but it's so much easier to go second than first. It's like, would you rather open the batting or bat five? It's like, mate, of course, every coward under the sun would much rather walk out at two for 200 on a flatty. Okay. So that's the thing. So now I'm going second. Cole goes out there before me. Unbelievable. But we're not there yet. So it was kind of weird because... I meet Colin, his tour manager, and then Trevor's in his green room. The Enmore Theatre, the green room is like, it's like a two-bedroom apartment. There's like two or three individual green rooms. There's like a living room, a kitchen, like four bathrooms. It's sort of a, yeah, it's basically an apartment. So Trevor's in his green room, which is cool. But then they're like, we're vlogging the tour. Do you mind if we uh, film you meeting Trevor for the first time? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But also, it's kind of weird to meet someone while you're getting filmed for the first time. Also, someone who's like heaps famous. So, and then, so I'm getting filmed and then I walk and knock on his green room and he like doesn't hear me knocking. <laughs> so, then I'm just sort of knocking and I think he was looking at some notes or something. So, now I'm just getting filmed, sort of just getting mugged off a little bit, but obviously not... And anyway, so then I go and I'm like, oh, hey, Trevor, I'm Billy. I'm opening for you. And the camera is like panning around me while I have this fucking awkward as hell interaction. <laughs> He's like, what's your name? I'm like, Rory. I mean, Billy, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was pretty uncomfortable. And anyway, but then after that, once the camera turned off, got to meet Trevor. Super cool guy. And he was really nice. His mate Cole goes out there, starts the show. He rips it up. 
Some guy dressed up as George Washington in the front row. I guess because it was Halloween or whatever. I don't really condone that sort of thing, but whatever you're into. It's just weird when people rock up to comedy shows and they're like so desperate to be talked to. You know when someone's wearing like a weird wig or something? I saw this at some of Luke Kidgel's shows or or Blake's because they want to be in the TikTok clips and they're in the front row with like a purple wig going, you know, get me, get me. I just think, you know, well, actually looking back at opening for Blake, I really should have spoken to that bloke in the purple wig. Maybe I would have avoided that altercation I had with that wheelchair bloke. So, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. but yeah, maybe you should just talk to the bloke who's asking for it instead of taking a pun on a random bloke who does turn out to be quite severely disabled while also at the same time being an absolute prick. And I'd like to remind everyone that you can be both, okay? You can be in a wheelchair and you can be a prick. But anyway, let's leave that there. Don't want to reopen old wounds. <laughs> but anyway, what am I saying here? So Cole went out first. Oh yeah, dude. So I just had the fucking sickest set of my life. Great, great times, great classic hits. And yeah. And that's the thing. When you go out at number five at two for 200, you can't even take credit. Shout out to Cole who did a great, great job. Like, I think my second joke got an applause break. It's absolute comedy for cowards out there. It's make-a-wish stuff. It's unbelievable. The whole time I'm ripping it up, I'm just thinking, do not riff. Do not riff. For the love of God, Bill, do not riff. But then, you know, you start the punchlines, you start getting a few laughs, urge to riff, rising. It's like the Apollo... uh, What's the Apollo one where they sort of crashed, but then they made it back to Earth? That one, and they're like breaking up in the atmosphere. That's me trying not to riff in front of 1,500 people. Just going, steady, steady, stick to the material, stick to the material. So some guy yelled something out, and I needlessly flamed him. So that was good, because that like just sort of got the riffing out of my, out of my system. Such a fun show. And uh, yeah, I watched uh, Trevor's show after, obviously. Dude, nothing better than having the tools down and just nailing a couple of green demons, watching uh, a comedian you really like for free. Unbelievable, dude. So yeah, just a great night all round. Just nothing really happened there. Just a lot of fun. But yeah, they had to... I was going to go out with them after, but then they had to bail back to their hotel and then they were going to go to someplace in the CBD and my mates were all at a pub around the corner. So bailed on that, had a huge night out and then that was that. So pretty sick, dude. Pretty sick indeed. Now I want to read out uh, the answers to this Spotify question. Okay. Just let me get this up. Dun, dun, dun. All righty then. So Last week's Spotify question was, how cool is Billy Darcy and why? Sunglass emoji, sunglass emoji. I'm obsessed with sunglass emojis and the one where the guy's blowing steam out of his mouth. They're the only two emojis I use. And quite frankly, they're the only two emojis I need. Thank you. But (laughs) it's... So what are the answers here? I'll try and sift through the crapper ones as we go. He is the second coolest guy on a solo podcast. (laughs) Oh my God. This is the sort of thing I was, I knew was coming. 
Next answer, he isn't cool. Full stop. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Billy Darcy's USC tips are free money. Just bet on the opposite. <laughs> oh, God. Billy Darcy comforted a sad child in public back in 2013, and that child grew up to be Barack Obama. Well, I think that one speaks for itself. Ultra cool. He's a man of integrity who isn't afraid to take life by the bucket hat. When the devil comes knocking, he buckles down and belts it out to the back row. That's what the pros do. Maybe, I'm not sure if that was an acrostic poem or what that was, but that was very sincere. Billy Darcy looks left-handed. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but also I know that it hurts. Someone looks left-handed? Oh, that's like... That's not good. Also, for the record, I'm left-footed but right-handed. The devil's double, okay? So, I don't know why I felt the need to address that, but I am right-handed left-footed uh how cool is billy darcy cooler than the kfc chill out zone on a thursday night let me tell you guys that's pretty bloody cool okay hey mate heard about the kfc cricket incident hope this helps one three hundred double two four six three six that's a phone number i can only assume that's for maybe a suicide hotline or something of that ilk Maybe I'll Google that. Let's just Google that phone number for the sake of it. One three hundred. What is it? One three hundred. Double two. Is this the reading writing hotline? What do we got here? Beyond Blue. Okay, so it's a suicide prevention hotline. So, thank you. Appreciate that, mate. <laughs> oh God. I know how you think, mate. <laughs> That bloke is in my head, big time. The greatest road dog in the Southern Hemisphere. That one's nice. He is so cool. I follow his UFC tips and with each main event, I have to move one suburb more west of the CBD. <laughs> oh my God. He's pretty cool. Can't tell if he's actually as cool as he sounds on his podcast though. Okay. That's neither here nor there. About as cool as a pigeon shitting on your favorite hat. <laughs> well, that's not very cool at all, is it? Oh, yeah. So, th I got a few of these, actually, I could see coming down the, the pipeline here. David Guetta. So, I guess I said David Guetta last week. How do you say it? David Guetta? Look, I'm not saying that I said it right. I'm just saying that if it's not Guetta, that U after the G has a lot to answer for. Okay? I'm not here just going to... When I see a U, I bloody address it, okay? I don't just walk past vowels like they're lost or something. So, not sure. The most entertaining way to lose hundreds in the UFC each week. <laughs> Billy is extremely cool. His support of the Taliban on his podcast is admirable, and I love listening to his takes on the Israel-Palestine conflict. Well, you know me, guys. I, I, I cut through to the issues. It's what I do. I would definitely give him his third confirmed route. Wow. Shout out, dude. Dun, dun, dun. Just clocking through a couple of these ones. Cool guy in his comedy persona, but by God, 
He sounds like the kind of guy you don't want as a friend. I mean, that is just as really hurtful as it gets. Cool guy in my comedy persona, but not... <laughs> Let's unpack this one. Cool in my comedy persona, but also I sound like the kind of guy you don't want as a friend. What is this comedy persona? Who, who is Billy Darcy? Who is this mythical comedy persona? And who is the guy away from the microphone who you would not want as a friend? I mean, that's a bit existential, that one. Very cool because he works for KFC and lives on the fried side. Fuck yeah, dude. You better believe it. The fact Billy doesn't charge for meet and greets is cool. Sure. Plus, I've heard on the grapevine he is a rooting machine and it doesn't get much cooler than being the Aussie version of Andrew Tate. Man, that one is all over the place, okay? That one is ups and downs. Massive trapezius muscles. Fuck yeah, dude. 11 out of 10 coolness due to the amount of respect he has for Ricks. I mean, shout out to Ricks, one of Brisbane's finest establishments. Coolest pubescent 14-year-old with a beard that I've met. He has three confirmed roots as well, sending shock shockwaves around the lunchroom. And then a couple more David Guetta ones. Again, I apologize. I don't listen to DJ music. As cool as the roast dinners on the Titanic. That's pretty bloody cool. Cooler than a nice refreshing glass of lemon lime bitters. Oh, shout out to Clarky. And I, and I hope you can all enjoy a beautiful glass of lemon lime bitters this weekend, team. I love it. Uh, Very cool. He shouldn't have any confidence whatsoever, yet he finds a way. Inspirational. A lot of these are sort of negging me, sort of trying to treat me mean to keep me keen. Okay, last one. What do we got here? As someone who is approaching his mid-20s, it is good to hear about your week and know that you're not doing better than me. Love your comedy. Keep it up. Again, that is really just a compliment sandwich. So I guess like, like myself, a lot of the listeners of this podcast struggle to be genuine. So there's a lot of, Billy, you're funny and cool. Also, you should maybe end your life, but also it's pretty funny and cool. So it's a good mix, guys. It's a good mix. Thanks for everyone who answered that. I guess I'll chuck up another question this week. I'm not 100% around the process. I'd love to do a poll. I listen to other podcasts where they do polls, and I thought that would be quite exciting. Though I haven't unlocked that feature yet. I'm not sure. That might only be available to the Inspired Unemployed and podcasters of that girth. But anyway, dude, thanks for everyone who sent in an answer. Bit of, bit of bloody fun there, hey? Okay, up next, there was some mentions, some references to my UFC tips in the questions and answers there. I would like to briefly talk about Tyson Fury boxing Francis Ngannou. Unbelievable, dude. Shout out to Francis Ngannou who lost via split decision, though won on one of the judges' scorecards, and many people thought he won the fight. I'll be candid, guys. I missed this one. I was out till quite late Saturday night, you know, really dining out on my coward set opening for Trevor Wallace. So unfortunately, it was at 8 a.m. and I just thought, fuck that. I'm not waking up for another crossover boxing event. It'll probably be a flop. Then I wake up at like midday, saw the photo of Nganu knocking him down, dancing over Fury's body and thought, I am the biggest pelican that's ever lived, okay? So, obviously, shout out to Francis Ngannou. 
Finally, one of the MMA guys has walked in there and actually chinned one of these blokes. Uh, love that for Francis. Love that he got the payday and all that. Outstanding stuff. Yeah, look, I, I do. I have mixed emotions about this because, my God, you want to talk about betting tips. I was so wrong about this. I thought Tyson Fury would kill him. I thought Francis Ngannou would not be able to last the 10 rounds. I just, boxing is just infuriating. Okay, I'm trying to be a fan. I feel like boxing reminds me of that chick from Bellevue Hill I was went on one date with a couple of weeks ago. I mean, God, you are just dragging me along by the skin of my teeth, and it is infuriating, okay? You try to be a fan, and it's like just disappointing left and right as far as trying to predict what's going to happen, trying to predict what's going to be a good fight. You know, you tune into stuff. It's very hard to predict what's going to happen in boxing, I feel like MMA, you sit down to watch a card, even if, if your betting tips go awry, as mine often do, at least you're going to see three to four blokes get chinned. You know what I mean? So, boxing is continues to be infuriating. I watched the, the replay, I watched the extended highlights, there weren't many. I mean, good on Francis for capturing the night with that knockdown. I don't know if anyone else watched this fight, but the stats for this fight, like the punch counts were like seven to four. Nine to six for each round. Like, I feel like Francis's achievement was so epic and it was so sick that he pretty much beat Tyson Fury in a boxing match that no one is really talking about the fact that the fight was abysmal, as most boxing matches are. You know, single figure strike counts. The day before, Amanda Serrano went 12 rounds and threw like 1,200 punches. Double check that. But Amanda Serrano, the first woman to ever box 12 three uh three minute rounds through like hundreds and hundreds of punches and then in Garnu fury they threw like a total of 37 each so i don't know what boxing is and i i'm struggling to become a fan of it but put that to the side good on francis i was dead wrong yeah i lost money to friends and sports bet on this one and dude fighting is just annoying because it's like a guy can just not turn up you know, Tyson Fury just didn't turn up or really try much in the fight. I guess after the knockdown, he was pretty petrified, as you would be, if you just got chinned by a 272 kilo or pound, I should say, Cameroonian fucking just gun. Oh, my God. And good on Francis for finally one of these MMA guys has just actually tried punching the bloke in the face. I mean, Nate Diaz, Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren, obviously not the best example, but it's like... Who, who else has been boxing these guys? I feel like Francis Ngannou is the first MMA guy to go in there and try punching the bloke. I mean, what a wild, wild strategy that Francis Ngannou employed. He tried to punch Tyson Fury in the face, and it worked. I mean, get out the fucking whiteboards. Eric Nixick is a tactical genius. And now Francis Ngannou is like the biggest boxer on the planet. I would love to see him fight Deontay Wilder or Anthony Joshua next. Or fight John Jones, even though it probably won't happen. But yeah, dude, good on Francis for actually uh, attempting to punch this guy. It's something that no MMA fighter has really tried before. And it's very exciting. And uh, what a spectacle, you know? I will say I would not want to be Tyson Fury right now. My God, the English press. Dude, English people, I will say, if you're going to make a mistake in this world... Do not make it around an English person because they will throw it in your face like you would not believe. No one handles failure worse than the English public and the press. I just finished the Beckham doco. My God.
What about young Saka when he was 18 in the Euros and missed a penalty? He had to get off Instagram because of all the racist death threats. Do not make a mistake around an English person. They have big mouths and short memories, dude. I saw that guy. Uh, who's the guy with all the tattoos? He's a YouTuber. Oh, True Geordie. So this guy, this guy hates uh, Tyson Fury. They have like a feud for some reason. And my YouTube algorithm is just filled with like Ingano Fury reactions because I listen to a lot of MMA podcasts. And dude, t- uh, True Geordie. He's just laughing his head off, just shitting on Tyson. Like it's almost like True Geordie is fighting Usyk next. Like now he gets to fight Alexander Usyk because of this loss. My God, I swear to do not make a mistake around an English person. I've never seen people with less empathy in my life. God forbid you have one night off in fifteen years of heavyweight boxing. You know, people saying if this guy beats Usyk, he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. And then it's like you have one bad night, and it's like fuck you. You know, the rhythms of life, my God. Dude, True Geordie, he had that thing where he made like a wildly racist Islamic joke and then went on like a three-month tour bawling his eyes out on YouTube videos that he himself was uploading. Is there anything more manipulative than uploading your own YouTube videos of you crying when you're trying to peg back sympathy? Like you're editing the videos yourself of you crying, being like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry for the racist joke. Come on, guys. It's me, True Geordie. <laughs> I don't know how he sounds. <laughs> but this guy, dude, this YouTuber. Oh, man. Always be careful around people who don't really have a base skill. You know, they're just sort of reality stars or whatever. I'm not sure if True Geordie was on Love Island or what his origin story is. But it's like, what, a year ago, this guy's bawling his eyes out on his own videos that he's edited himself. And now Tyson Fury has an off night against Francis Ngannou and he's like, your legacy is ruined, mate. You're rubbish. English people are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but English people, I'll just say, don't ever make a mistake around them. You know, that's why, that's why, uh, dude, like in the Beckham doco, like morbidly obese Bald British men are like, fuck you, David Beckham, burning effigies of one of the greatest players of the modern era. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just wild what the English will get up to. So if you are going to fail, if you are going to attempt something and run the risk of it potentially going wrong or potentially performing badly, just make sure no English person is around because, my God, they are absolutely terrifying. All right. Up next, I was going to talk about Matthew Perry dying. But now I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's just a bit sad, really, isn't it? I don't know why I thought this would be something to talk about on a comedy podcast. We're having a few laughs, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Matthew Perry, well, I read his book last year, so I thought, oh, I actually read his book, maybe I should talk about him dying. But yeah, now I'm sitting here, it feels a bit, a bit how you're going, because I actually didn't really like him in his book. I sort of sprayed him on the pod after. I mean, two reckless drive-bys in his book on Keanu Reeves, really for no reason. He said, why did River Phoenix die and Keanu Reeves lives? <laughs> like, as if Keanu Reeves' very existence was a crime against nature. So, quite a complicated man, Matthew Perry. I mean, if you read his book, it's cra- it's crazy he even lived this long. To be completely honest, like, his his colon exploded. He was, in, he was unconscious for, like, two months. Like, just wild shit. So, very sad. Um, but, you know, I, I picked up his book because I loved him so much. You know, I loved his character, loved his comedic acting, one of the most iconic comedic actors 
of a generation, really. So shout out to Matthew Perry. Very, very sad. Yeah. I don't know really how I thought this particular segment would go now that I'm here. But, you know, bit of a legacy. Shout out to the great man for all his great work. 17 again, goes under the radar, a fantastic film. I will say we're very lucky in this country to not have the pill culture that America has. My God, because that's what happened to this bloke. He was a he was a bloody assault of the earth, blue collar alcoholic. This bloke, he was a he was a phenomenal alcoholic who just smoked cigarettes nonstop, an honest living. Many would say, and then he gets friends and stuff. But what happened was he was on a movie set, and he jumped on a jet ski and came off it and fucked his back up, and then he got prescribed oxys so he could get through the film, and then that was the end of him. He was addicted to oxys and pills for the next. I guess, 30 years, really, right up until the point he died. And that was like most of the book, just him on and off oxys, just crazy shit. And yeah, just so sad. So just be be a bit careful around those oxys and the pain pills, lads. Anyway, shout out. I guess we'll just say rest in peace to the great man. Thanks for the laughs. Thanks for the good times. And do you know what? As far as people who die at 54 or whatever, what a run. I mean, really, I, his book was called... I don't know, Surrender or something, or something like really... Oh, it was called like Love and the Big Terrible Thing or something. It really should have just been called Sex, Drugs and Rooting because that's what the big fella was doing. So, you know, burn bright, burn short or whatever it is. Here for a good time, not a long time. Shout out to the great man. Yeah, just a bit of a grim weekend, I suppose, because we had that murder in Sydney with that poor woman. And Matthew Perry died. So, yeah, we had like two deaths in the one day. The woman who was murdered in Sydney, that was just horrific. What was she, like 21 or something? 22. It happened just down the road um, in the Sydney CBD. Murdered with a hammer. Just needless. Absolutely needless, dude. That was horrible. You simply cannot murder-suicide a woman you dated for five weeks. I'm sorry, but that bloke is just... Anyway, okay. Bit grim on the pod today. We've got to get out of this segment here. I don't know why I thought talking about Matthew Perry's death would elicit some sort of a hilarious segment. So you'll have to ask Bill looking at what to say earlier this morning. But nevertheless, time for the project. A bit more upbeat, the project. The project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent, killing it here and abroad. Unfortunately, I will have to talk about the Matildas yet again I don't know. These girls are just killing it all the time. I did watch them on Sunday. That was a bloodbath v. the Philippines, which probably look at a mercy rule for some of these Olympic qualifiers. Shout out to Caitlin Ford, who I think scored about 37 goals. But that is not particularly what we're talking about today. The Ballon d'Or Feminine, I think is how you say it. The Women's Ballon d'Or Award for the greatest football player on the planet was decided yesterday or the day before. Sam Kerr comes... Second, yet again, her second time coming second. Would love to see her win one eventually. I think that World Cup really killed her. Also, the Spanish chick who won, I think she won literally every award you can win in football this year. So I don't know much about her, but it seems like she's pretty good at soccer. So shout out. Sam Kerr, though, I tell you what, if she didn't get injured in that World Cup and we go on to make the final and she's really carrying this nation on her back, you know, I'd like to have a look at that. But so shout out to Sam Kerr, second in the Ballon d'Or for the second time. 
I would love to see her win one in her career. If she did win the Ballon d'Or, where? Where does that go? That's my new favorite thing. I'm always just like, where does that go in the history of Australian sporting achievements? It'd be pretty good, okay? It just seems like, I don't know. It just seems like Australians are killing it in 2023, particularly. You know, I feel like the project in 2022 was like, oh, this Aussie guy went to the shops and was able to save $17 on his groceries. You know, like no one was doing anything in 2022. But 2023, my God, the Australians are just on the Gatling gun, letting everyone know what's up. So shout out to Sam Kerr. We love you. And it's just, Sam Kerr, I think, is probably just going to settle into like her role post-retirement. She'll be like the next Kathy Freeman. When Kathy Freeman's like too old to do public appearances and too old to visit Australia's national sporting teams and give them an absolute rocket from another dimension to inspire them to put this nation on their back once again. I think we'll just we'll sub Sam Kerr into those events, okay? So she will be the next icon we look to. And and yeah, and also a quick shout out to the patron saint of this podcast, Haley Razzo. But anyway, she came 17th on the Ballon d'Or as well. I mean, really, if you come past 10th, I would have thought they would have stopped counting the votes at that point. I mean, you've been nominated, but at the same time, I guess they go all the way to 30 or something. She's the 17th best football player on the planet, which is no mean feat. So shout out to the gals. Unbelievable stuff. That is the pod for this week. Kind of took a turn after the Spotify questions. I feel like we were having a lot of laughs there, a lot of good times. And then the Fury and Garnu thing, I couldn't really get past how wrong I was about the fight and how dumb boxing is. I mean, the thing with boxing I just can't wrap my head around is every time you have a person paying a dollar nine versus a person paying six fifty, right? It's like there's a whole group of boxers who just go around losing, and there's a whole group of boxers who go around winning. Like I'm a fan of Australian boxer Sky Nicholson, but she just boxes like 50-year-old women. And then, so you try and bet on this shit, oh, $1.10, guaranteed to win. And then sometimes, one of these pelicans will slip on a banana peel, RE Tyson Fury, and you end up looking like a mug in your in your combat sports group chat. So, whatever, dude. Couldn't really get past my personal feelings on that segment. And then I segued into Matthew Perry's death. So the wheels came off there. I can only apologize. We got Rowan coming up next in what can only be described as a much more upbeat 34 minutes than what we've just seen. So shout out. Hope to see you again. Thanks for listening. Oh, one thing, I'm releasing a few stand-up comedy clips on social media and that. So get around those. If you'd like to share them with a friend, it would be a massive help to my career. And potentially, you know, if you guys share enough of the clips, one of these things gets enough views, I might never have to MC the KFC chill out zone again. So thanks for that. Apart from that, cheers for listening. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now. I'm way too gone, way too gone. All right, legends, welcome back to yet another second half of Get Around Me with our darling boy, Rowan Arneal. Rowan, mate, what is in fact doing? I have a fuel cap in my car. Shout out. Shout out. Wow. Pretty exciting. When did that happen? You didn't tell me that. Well, I was actually walking into a servo. Um, I was after a, a double strength coffee and a little bit of a snack. 
between yep. jobs, lurking, and, and I, yeah, <laughs> just place to place. I, I need I need some sort of stop in between. And um, I was walking in. And I was like, remember when Billy was saying how nice it would be if there were servo caps in the servo. I mean, fuel caps in the servo. And then I walked in and I checked, and there was one. There you go. Nine bucks. Never give up on your dreams. Mm-hmm. An, em- an emergency fuel cap. And em- is that what it was called? <laughs> yeah. So I guess there's better ones that this is supposed to be. You just lost it, and you gotta put that in until you get a proper fitting one. And I've been in an emergency zone for two weeks now, so it's just. Mate, it's you've just- been in an emergency zone for really upwards of twelve years. That cap's gonna have to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But mate, that's fantastic news, and I wish you the best on that. Now, a couple of different directions we can go here, mate, off the rip. I would honestly like to just get mine out of the way early <laughs> regarding the Marrickville incident. <laughs> well, the, your, your love for the inner west. My love for the inner west. Unfortunately, something came out over the course of the last week. <laughs> Billy's, Billy's behavior, perhaps. <laughs> unfortunately, when I went to the AFLW on Mushrooms, didn't end up being a scot-free experience. <laughs> For people that don't live in Sydney, it's just a kind of suburban slash old industrial area with lots of kind of... Beauty. Beauty, yep. There's a lot of AFLW to the hub of. Um, the Swans played there on Sunday for Pride Round. Yes, very left wing. Every weekend is Pride Round in Marrickville. That is true. Um, our roommate told me on Friday that last Saturday, oh, last Saturday week, Billy... Came home from the AFL from the AFLW. Also, before you get into this, I was downstairs. Still, mushies are still just pushing me around a little bit, <laughs> and I thought no one was home. Yeah. Okay, so I hear noises coming from upstairs and potentially freak out a little bit. Yeah, and we you are scared of ghosts as well. Ghosts and robots. <laughs> ghosts and robots. And we didn't have confirmation which one it was. Yeah, is. And for clarity, have you ever lived in a child, any of your childhood homes? Was there any ghost experiences? Uh, the first home, no, not necessarily. But it's because of my mum. My mum, your, your mum has nonstop ghost experiences. Yeah, mum said there was like a six-year-old girl who lived in the hallway outside of my bedroom, <laughs> and she's like seeing these things all the time. She said there was like a graveyard two doors down in our first home, like. If yeah. we're going to Woolies, mum's like, watch out for that ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? It's been bred into you a little bit. The robots thing, I think that's just a healthy fear. Yeah, that is a healthy fear. Billy knocks on Imogen's door. She's just home chilling and out of fear of a ghost and then walks in, is surprised that she's home and then just starts just monologuing about Marrickville. <laughs> Just nonstop. She just said, he, you just, it was Saturday night and you just came in and you just kept talking about the community feel of Marrickville. You wouldn't stop. And then you kept explaining this little house on the corner that was so perfect. <laughs> he was getting, he burst into our roommate's room to emotionally describe a suburban home that he saw. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, if you saw this terrace, I just thought of all the families that had probably lived there, all the stories that had been told in that home. And yeah, I was getting, I was sitting on the couch ruminating about the community field in the suburb of Marrickville. And then lo and behold, Imogen was here the whole time. <laughs> now, I actually didn't really remember that. So that could have been slept under the carpet yeah. massively. Because if you take out me talking to Imogen 
for about 25 minutes about Marrickville. Yeah. Also, not only did she not ask, the door was closed. Yeah. So this is egregious. <laughs> yeah, to waltz into someone's room late on a Saturday to give them the important information of a house you saw in Marrickville. It, it couldn't be less... A woman in her pyjamas just being like... Oh, nice. I'm glad you had a good day, Billy. Also- How it, am I? It doesn't matter. <laughs> also, Imogen has been to Marrickville before. Oh, big time. <laughs> I'm not describing some <laughs> mythical place. I'm not like, oh my God, Imogen. I was just in uh, the mountains in Guatemala. Oh, thank God you're home. It's like, Imogen, I was four train stops from our home. <laughs> a suburb that's mainly factories and warehouses and a few houses and three pubs. And I was in the area with the three pubs and houses. <laughs> Absolute shocker. So you actually, no one should be allowed to do mushrooms that often because you just- What do you mean that often? I'm not saying you, you were doing them too often. I'm oh, saying right. I've, I've known blokes that have gone down the psychedelic wormhole for about a year and they're just constantly doing psychedelics and they forget to finish sentences. Everything's just like, and the guy that was walking his dog was there and he came around and he looked at me and he just, whoa, and we were like, fucking Jesus. It's just that all the time. Well, here's the thing is I didn't remember this at the time when Imogen mm. was telling us about it. Mm. It was hard to get my thoughts straight with you literally rolling around <laughs> on the living room floor. <laughs> but here's the thing is probably the reason I was in her bedroom for upwards of 25 minutes <laughs> is that it's very hard to describe a vibe. Yeah, exactly. It's so hard to describe a vibe. Yeah. So they just prattle on until you have to be like, mate, mate, just stop. I, 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 I can't get it. I can't break through to the amount of feeling you want me to get from this story. And the problem is Imogen is too lovely. Yeah. Anyone else at like the eight minute mark would have been like, <laughs> are you out of your fucking <laughs> mind right now? Get out of my room. <laughs> what was the time now that I'm thinking about? It's probably like 11 p.m. or something. Yeah. I don't know. But Mate, yeah. It's awesome behavior. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome behavior. <laughs> It's so funny to just like have this narrative in your head. Like, dude, last Saturday I was just on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone was loving me everywhere I went until you're standing over a woman's bed being like, the community feel of Marrickville is incredible, Imogen. <laughs> it's like, huh, my first beer at 1 p.m., mushrooms about four joints, came home at midnight, nothing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> nothing went wrong. What a day. I thought it was um, just the, women, the spirit of the women's AFL it's, had papered over the cracks in my personality. But. Well, it's so funny because like people view <coughs> um, mushrooms as like the most like hippy dippy could never get into a confrontation. But it do, I was once sitting on a boy in Austin tripping, like on a, the Colorado River, and that's like where it goes from swimming to boating. So I'm like sitting on the line, and a guy falls off his wakeboard and this like frat dude's like, hey bro, just so you know, you're getting pretty close to like the wake zone. And I just looked at him and was like, mate, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'll fuck off. Are you serious? Yeah. I was like, you don't tell me where I cannot sit. Like, Oh, wow. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to stop sitting on this boy. I'm yeah. Chilling. So, I guess mushrooms, they do open you up to the world, but not yeah. necessarily to punks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, that's another tick for the drug, exactly. if you ask me. Just a bit of honesty. A bit of honesty, yeah. I mean, even if you are contemplating your own existence 
in this universe, in this plane. Yeah. You still got to have two feet down at a moment's notice. <laughs> you got to be like, that guy looks like someone I don't like. Yeah. And I don't like his attitude, <laughs> which is trying to help me not get hit by boats. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Why is this guy... You might need to look into what those mushrooms were, mate, because why, this guy looks out for you and you've thrown it in his face. But also, shut up about rules. Ru- rules it. are lame. Rules are lame. So that's that's tough. But we were back in Marrickville on Sunday night. A second attempt to watch women's sport in Marrickville went down the drain when the Matildas went up 4-0 in, I think, the seventh minute. <laughs> and the only table we could get was directly under the big screen. So we, we, we didn't even know the big screen was on for the first half. Yeah, I was looking at a television very far away. Yeah, we couldn't even make out which team was which. We could just hear people going nuts literally every seven seconds. Yeah. And we had a sensational Sunday Arvo at the pub. Cut short when I looked over to my right and I saw <laughs> Rowan on menu log. I thought, this is the beginning of the end. Mate, you have an obsession with like getting home at the same time as the food arrives. It's a fucking fantastic way to get your alcoholic mate out of the pub. <laughs> Go, Billy, green curry, 35 minutes, it's coming. Yeah, if, it, it is really a great way to get your mates out of the pub. And I noticed you said alcoholic mate, so I'm, I'm willing to breeze past that. <laughs> but yeah, if you turn to a bloke and say, mate, we got $95 worth of Thai food coming to ours in 25 minutes. It's like, fuck, I'll get the Uber. <laughs> well, I did say, Do you, are you keen to head? Because I have different waking hours than Billy. Um, and Billy said, oh, one more. And I said, okay. And then I just opened menu log and kind of just let dance with the devil in there. Once I saw you browsing, I knew it was over. <laughs> I was thinking about staying by myself because it was quite electric down there. But I think karma heads prevailed. Yeah, and also I'd gotten in an argument with the, my side of the table, so I was kind of... It was a bit salty over there. That's the thing. Your side of the table was pretty out of control. <laughs> your, your side of the table could have used some Thai food to calm down. Yeah, definitely. Whereas my side of the table, we were just having fun conversations. Yeah, yeah. So, really well, fun really fun afternoon though, mate. Enjoyed your company as per. Sometimes you've just got to tell a woman that's half French that I don't really... That kind of French people are kind of annoying and you should be quiet about it. Wow. Yeah, that was my take. It's interesting that that take came after your seventh pint. <laughs> it's interesting how the, the platins seem to align sometimes. A little bit of mushrooms and seven beers and you might kind of be rude to someone. What is it about the seventh beer that makes you think, this chick's not fucking French? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, 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 well, it's also like I brought previous baggage into it, so I was like ready. Yeah. Um, we watched the Mat- She was there when we watched the Matildas beat France and she was all sooky afterwards. And oh. I was like, you, didn't you grow up in the Southern Highlands? Your mum's French. And you, but you go like, my mate's mum's French. Um, he's not going for France right now. Like, you're in Marrickville. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. And then she also said that all um, short men should be shot. And I was like, mate, I'm out for my brothers. All short men should yeah. be shot. Which I see the equivalent of douches saying, being anti-fat chicks. I see it as the same thing. And I was oh like- Oh my God. Dude, full-on eugenics at your end of the table. Eugenics happening last Matilda's game. (laughs) And then I hadn't seen her since, and I was like, I have a feeling I'm going to be pretty fucking rude to this woman. Wow. And then she said, I want to fucking glass you. And I said, 
don't talk about it, be about it. And then I started dancing. That's oh, when that's the when dance- I started dancing. <laughs> yeah, and then I said, Billy, we're catching a beat. And Billy started dancing next to us. And I was like, you're going to catch a beat now. Ready? One, two, three, catch a beat. And she w- she was not catching a beat. See, here's the thing is, I didn't know what the beat was relating to. <laughs> Obviously, that's a fair bit heavier than, than what I thought. But here's the thing, mate. If you tell me to catch a beat and you're a friend of mine, I will catch that beat. Exactly. I knew that was... And Marcus had seen the whole thing, so he was loving me catching a beat. If someone's furious, is a quick, just piece of advice for people out there. If someone's furious at you, if you smile and just catch a beat, the- it really upsets them. It's infuriating. <laughs> it's infuriating. If, if you want to infuriate someone, uh, get Billy Darcy to dance poorly next to you <laughs> in a bucket hat. In a bucket hat. <laughs> After seven pints. A woman with a septum ring that's furious at your friend will be so angry. Yeah. Also, you've got $95 worth of time 15 minutes away from your home. Yeah. And you are catching that beat. <laughs> You're pretty much invincible. Yeah. Like, this is like Donald Trump-level tactics. I could see I could see Donny T doing this to someone. Yeah, that, it is a perfect Donald T. Yeah. Man. Unbelievable. Yeah, a girl. I've done that before. A girl from being angry at you. I'm like, uh oh, he's catching a beat. He's catching a beat. Because <laughs> you've changed the genre of the battle. Yeah, exactly. it's like you're in a war of words. This is a dance battle. Yeah, this is a dance battle. I'm vibing. Yeah, and we're vibing harder than you. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, oh, what a beautiful place. What a beautiful place. What a beautiful weekend, mate. Uh, actually, speaking of weekends. No, actually, we won't speak of weekends. When did we watch the Beckham doco? Oh, that was Sunday as well. Yeah, that was Sunday Then we now had some time, watched the end of the Beckham doco. Yeah, I was enthralled. Oh, my God, dude. (laughs) I can tell maybe you and Marky weren't frothing it as much as me. Yeah, but you're always going to froth a sport, like just a kind of... See, you do view yourself as kind of a leader of the pack. Whereas, well, I do think I'm sort of a Beckham type character. Exactly, exactly. We're we're searching for holes in his character. Just yeah, Mark is more than me. Mark Marky was like, oh, this this you could really feel the Netflix feel of this doco now, and I was like, I know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, mate, the Beckham doco. Give me your thoughts, feelings. I spoke about just the first episode on the solo pod, but now we've watched all four episodes, mate. Um. I love watching a documentary on a very famous, successful person where I'm like, I kind of like my life more than this guy's life. You like your life more than David Beckham's life. A little bit. There were times where it was like, this is fucked. Because I've also, mate, I've overcommitted to a woman before. But when I did, there wasn't like a million paparazzi on me at all time. Okay, I don't think you can compare David Beckham's family to you dating some chick with a fringe for two months. Is that what you're doing right now? Well, I'm like, I wouldn't like this much media around my life. I mean, the media is ridiculous, dude. Dude, the British tabloid press. The British press. It's the scariest thing in the world. Uh, There's no press on the planet I would be more scared of. Okay, crocodiles. Um, Ghosts of children. The British tabloid press. Um, that's about the top three scariest things, really. Bears. Bears are up there. I don't think bears are even in the convo, really. Yeah. But, dude, the Beckhams, is it not... When you see people driving around following them, like paparazzi, right? Paparazzi. These guys are like scum of the earth, eh? Yeah, big time germs, yeah. It's so funny, those two older British guys who were in the doco, the former paparazzi, 
And they were like talking about some of the horrific things they did, like following around in cars, like hiding in their bins to try and get a photo of their newborn baby. And they're like, the doco guy goes, do you regret some of this behavior? And the paparazzi guy said, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... I I think there isn't a time in the modern world where I wouldn't have been... where If I was hiding in a bin to take a photo of someone's child, I think nearly at every point in time, I would have been like, this feels a little off. You have to do a vibe check. This feels like an odd way to make a living. Yeah. It's really pretty disgraceful behavior. <laughs> yeah. Also, dude, to be actually proper famous, like proper, proper famous, this is back when fame was fame. Mm. Not now where everyone's got like 150K followers and you get to be famous, but also you get to just go to the shops. Like mm. that's sick. Mm. That's what you want. Dude, this shit in like 2003, we only discovered mental health like five years ago. <laughs> this is crazy how they were treated. Yeah, it's insane. And it's tough because it's so hard to empathize with hot people. Yeah. That's what I found during the doco. Yeah. Like the stadium was, um, they were all chanting, Victoria Beckham takes it up the ass. And then you think this is horrific. Yeah. And then you see her in her like Gucci sunglasses. She's like the hottest person on the planet. And you're like, ah, oh, she'll be all right. I just... It, why, why is that? You're like, oh, she looks good. How could she possibly feel bad? Yeah, exactly. That's how... It's just the optics are horrific. It's so untrue as well. Oh, it's horrifically untrue. <laughs> it's just their lives are so terrible. They're just like in these big houses. It's like the Truman Show or something. Mate. On, yeah, apparently they've done studies, and this is in US dollars, but um, if you make more money, your happiness does go up. But at about 100K a year US, you can keep making money and your happiness won't go up. Really? It'll have to come from other external factors. And there's no amount of jet skis in the world and big mansions that up it. You just get used to everything. Yeah. Well, that's so true, You just get it? used to everything. You do just get used to everything. It's like on a smaller scale, like whatever money you're making, if it's like 300 or 1,000. I could never look back at my life and be like, oh, that's when I was making 1,200 a week. And yeah. that's what, like you just adjust. Like, I don't know. Immediately. But also, it's not the money. It was like more like too much fame. Like he said, I think he went to bed, but he was like, I don't know if like he would drop his kids off at school and like the cars are chasing him down the street. And then he's like six year old son. They're all like flashing photographers at him going, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, look at me. Yeah. And he's like, mate, to be honest, I don't know if this is like fucked up my kid. Yeah. He didn't know how to word it. He was like, I don't know what if this has made him mm. if it's harmed him yeah of course it's harmed him. obviously it's harmed him i've seen the guy's instagram it's definitely harmed him something's happened something's happened he's it- been a chef a photographer and a model like in the same week <laughs> and somehow failed at all of them <laughs> insanity do you think brooklyn the top kid or the oldest even tried to be a soccer player probably not because he grew up in america it's like yeah but I don't. But also, you've got to really try. That's the thing. You got to be obsessed. You got to be obsessed. You can't just kick the footy around and be like, oh, "I'm like dad," which is what he would have done. Yeah, and also, it's way easier to be obsessed when mum's like tuna and rice for dinner, and you're like, "I'm just gonna stay in the backyard, babe." Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? When you got the surf and turf at age six, I don't want to go in the backyard. It's windy out there. Yeah, exactly. So enormous telly. Enormous telly. There's there's probably like pool toys that we've never even seen, mate. Big oh inflatable God. slides in pools. He would have had that inflatable jet ski. You oh know those? Oh, my God. 
That would have been sick. But I'll tell you what, mate. I thought the story of the later episodes was Victoria Beckham. Yeah, definitely. Because at the start, first episode, I was like, uh, I'm not a f- the biggest fan of this woman. To be fair, I think she's just got such a crazy resting bitch face that it's she's got probably the biggest resting bitch face I've ever seen. You know what it is, though? It's the face of a woman that has kind of been arrogant to you before. Do you like she looks rich and mean? Exactly, she just does look rich and, and that's, mean. And here's the thing, dude. That's just how I. That's <laughs> what my body tells me when I look at her. Yeah. Like when I look at her, I go, "Yeah, she's stunning." Yeah. Dude, young posh Beckham. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Okay. But when she looks at you, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like this woman is about to ignore me for her phone. Yeah. But also, by the end of the documentary, I'm like, this woman is a saint. Yeah. How she got through all of that, like, just, he's like, all right, we're going to LA. Oh, what? whoops, I'm off to Italy now, babe. Mm. Like, just drops her off in LA. And then, we're supposed to go for six months, and he's like, I'm staying. <laughs> like, fuck. And it's like, oh, sorry, sorry, Dave. Did you not realize that playing soccer in America... Pro tip, they call it soccer, <laughs> would not be as good. Like, Yeah, so odd. But the price of just a super successful, intense man. It's like the things that you find really attractive about someone at the start, and then they're just like, oh, those are the bad things now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It must be a bit annoying when he's like 36 and he's like, I just signed for PS- PSG, babe. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God. God. Stop kicking this fucking ball. Yeah. Start the fashion line. Let's just do that. <laughs> just hang out with me. Mm. <laughs> it's brutal, though, because I didn't know that he, like, cheated on her. I thought it was, like, maybe an allegation or something. Oh. But then... Because I don't, want, I don't Mate, want to hear about this stuff. Billy was so ridiculous. This is probably the daftest I've ever seen you <laughs> oh, in my entire... No, it is. And it's because of your soft heart. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. He's a soft-hearted boy. and I'm a romantic, mate. Be- Beckham's going, yeah, as I... I left my family and I left a team and a club that I had for 13 years and I was just in Spain alone and I really struggled. And this is in response to them asking, did you cheat? And Billy goes, oh, I wonder if he did it. I'm like, I think he might have done it if he's talking about being alone. And then he goes, yeah, I really, I do have a lot of regrets over that time in my life. And I'm like, he obviously did it, Billy. And Billy's like, I th- maybe, I don't know. He hasn't said it. He hasn't said it. It could have just been an allegation. It's like, this is not how people respond to allegations when they're false. Yeah, he said, I felt physically sick in my eyeballs. <laughs> Every morning I woke up and felt sick. And Billy's like, maybe he did it. And I'm like, I think he fucking did it, man. I was like to Ron, what was he eating? <laughs> <laughs> he could have been iron deficient over that time. Oh, that shatters me. But also, I don't know, like, you just want to, you just want the perfect couple to be perfect. Mm. I don't want to know that the sea's rising, mate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yep, rich men with heaps of power sometimes cheat. Also, let's be honest. I mean, that's, that's the ones that came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Dude? That was just the loudmouth Spanish women. Those British women, they respected the couple too much. Oh, dude. Those lips are sealed. Dude, some of the chicks in, in especially from Manchester, oh. chicks who love the club. Yeah. They're shutting it down. They're shutting it down There's immediately. There's no way. Also, do you reckon a few times, I don't know the ethics of cheating when you're a billionaire, but would he have them sign like non-disclosure agreements and stuff? I don't know. I think 
I think that might be more of a modern thing. I think he might have just been praying for the best. And before camera phones and stuff. Before camera phones? I think, um, Leo and stuff, it's all non-disclosure immediately. Yeah. Non-disclosure and the headphones stay on and the weed pens in my hand the entire time. Yeah. Also, I think Leo might be also checking IDs. Yeah. These yeah, days. Yeah. I know you said you're 19, but we just really need to be on top of this stuff. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> There's a photocopier. I know you're 19, but it's just that I'm 54. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, if you want to fuck Leonardo DiCaprio, it's like it's like getting your peas at the RMS. <laughs> They're like, look straight ahead, show no emotion. All right, turn to the right. But yeah, I was hoping that he would stay faithful the whole time, but I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. It's not like I'm a massive Beckham guy. I didn't even know he ever played at AC Milan. Yeah. I just kind of assume they're all cheating all the time. I know. I hope not, mate. Except my beautiful NRL boys. Ex- especially, especially my Mormons. Yeah. The Polynesian Mormons, they don't cheat. They don't cheat. That's a thing. They don't cheat. But I'll say this, dude. On the Beckham doco, last thing. That American Pelican who oh, like went yeah. out in a book while they were playing together and was like... Beckham's a bad teammate because he went and played for AC Milan. And it's like, he's David Beckham. Yeah, it's just quiet down, mate. I didn't like... You could tell that guy was loving it yeah. in the doco as well. And he literally said at one point, he said, that um, I know David disagreed with me, but that was my truth. That was how I felt. <laughs> Saying something is my truth. What does that even mean? Because it's just been ruined. Because if I think something and I'm like, I this was my experience with this person, I think he's a bad person. And you go, I think he's a great person. I guess mine is my truth. Yeah. But just don't say it that way. Well, you just don't need to say it to everyone. You can just tell people in your life, I would have just been bitching relentlessly to teammates. That's the route I would have chosen. This is what group chats are for. Exactly. And it's like Beckham said, what happens in the change room stays in the change room. Yeah. And it's like, even I know that. <laughs> like, Jesus Just Christ. Be dude. like me, light up group chats, occasionally something, say something on Billy's podcast that he has to edit out later. That's it. That's it. Why are you writing it. books? Yeah. Just be happy that you grace the field with him for a second. Yeah. Also, I hate this thing where it's like, uh, people get angry how superstars get treated differently. Like in the UFC, they're like, oh, it's one set of rules for Conor McGregor and another set for everyone else. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So so you understand exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Kind of how businesses work. It's weird how you understand it so clearly, yet you're so angry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, David Beckham is on a $250 million contract and you're on 75000 mm. These are different things. Mm. It's like a Mark Norman comedy special, dude. <laughs> yeah. Different things are different. Different things are different things. One context applies to one person and another <laughs> one applies to another. If a man does this... It's this thing, but if a woman does it, it has a different result. Woo! <laughs> it's edgy. <laughs> different things are different. How many how many problems are there out in the world that could be solved by just admitting that different things are different? Different things are different. How come my Korean friend gets to say because he's Korean? <laughs> that's why. Because he's it's clearly different. <laughs> different things are different. Fantastic. Wow. I don't know. We're at 28 minutes. We could try and talk about something else, but I don't have that much energy for it. What have you got? I could go I could just trash this Kento bloke a little bit. Oh, yeah. You really... (laughs) I just got to get this off my chest. (laughs) Billy's upset. I'm upset. I'm not upset. You are angry. 
I'm angry, dude. Yeah, you're. I'm angry. not angry. I'm. I'm. Oh man, I'm not. I feel negatively about it. Yeah, and there's no one in the world that I like more when they're angry than Billy Darcy. Because he fucking just, he doesn't stop. He does, mm, mm, mm. how about that, you little cunt? <laughs> and it's just me and him in a room. I'm like, he's not here, mate. He's not here. <laughs> okay, I feel like you're way overplayed how angry I was. <laughs> no, not about this. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, this, I'm not that angry about this. But this was yeah. just egregious. And um, so this bloke, I don't think he's a comedian, but he's some guy from the crowd or something who like sat next to me at a comedy gig. And, he uh, must be a comedian. He wasn't on the lineup and I've never seen him there before. I don't know. Anyway, so this bloke... So, I did a gig last night to five people. Legitimately five. Yeah. It was the worst gig of all time. I And I hate it when you prepare for gigs and then there's like five people. Like I had all my little notes and stuff. <laughs> anyway, I was supposed to do 10 minutes. At three minutes, I'm thinking I'm just going to walk off. This is completely just not productive at all. It was five people in like a 70-seat room as well. And they were like spread out. It was a couple on a first date and then like a three-person family. Yeah. 30 metres apart from each other. Yep, I performed there also. I forgot you were on the same show. Billy texted me and said, mate, fuck this, because I was getting there later. There's seven people here, run for the hills. And then I got there and I was like, there's not seven people here. There's five people here. Well, maybe I was counting this Kento bloke. I swear he was sitting in the crowd. Maybe he didn't even want to sit in the crowd. Yeah. So anyway, I bombed to five people for six and a half minutes. Mm. I was supposed to do eight to ten. It's a valiant effort. Okay, <laughs> I, I did ten and a half. <laughs> you did ten and a half? Oh, I was just getting more and more furious up there. Um, not at the crowd. It wasn't their fault. It was no one's fault. Yeah. But it was just an unproductive situation. It was the marketing department's fault. Whatever. Anyway, so I come off and I'd ordered a meal, which wasn't there yet. I just want to eat my food and bail. And then this guy comes over sits next to me and um, he's eating chips and then he leans in real close to me because like he doesn't want to interrupt the show and he's like licking his lips from eating the chips and he starts giving me advice about what I should have done. Also, because I took notes on stage, which I do sometimes when I'm running new stuff at like unpaid spots and he goes, yeah, to five people, he goes, you did do a pretty good job handling it. He goes, but when there's five people, you got to be a bit more off the off the rip, like riffing a bit more, just sort of get a bit, bit more of a vibe going. Like if you just want to do material, it can be a bit stale for the five people. Also, I only checked my notes once, but it's it's beside the point. Mm. I don't care if the notes were pressed to my face the whole time and I was too scared to even look at the crowd. I couldn't even look over this piece of paper. <laughs> I don't give a I don't give a fuck. Who is this guy? And why is he giving me advice right now? And then he starts telling me about performing to five people compared to bigger crowds and then he starts giving me tips on one of the bits and the pacing of it and he's like yeah that bit would have been funny but you just need to be a bit slower here even though keep in mind i do think you did a good job but you should just take a bit more of a pause here and also the notes they can work in a bigger crowd because people can sort of see that you're working on stuff to five people you should never take notes on stage and i'm sitting here waiting for my food also i've just i've just bombed like yeah. So I'm not pumped about that. And I'm just waiting for my food. And, and I'm just literally sitting here going like, it's just me, this guy. His name was Kento. I don't know if he was a crowd member who just walked into the comics area or what. And it's just me, him, and Laura Coleman. And I'm like, I, 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 just, well, I was like, from where I'm sitting, I can either spray this guy into next week <laughs> or just say nothing. <laughs> And then I'm like, so I just say nothing because mm. why would you spray someone? Because you're also sad and defeated. 
Not even, dude. I'm just like... You're just annoyed. I'm just annoyed and I'm like, why is this guy doing this right now? <laughs> and I kept I kept being like, okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. And then and I go, yeah, I'll think about it. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I feel like it, I feel like this guy's like, do you want me to spray you? Yeah, yeah. When you want to, you just keep being like, I'm putting up clear walls. I'm putting up the social cues that would <laughs> yeah. indicate that I'm not enjoying this conversation and I wanted to stop. And then my food arrived and I took it. I, I ate in a room by myself because I just didn't want to sit next to this cunt while he was licking his lips, giving me advice. Fucking hell. Yeah, he didn't say anything to me. Was he still there? Yeah, he was still there. He wasn't on the lineup, so I don't know who he is. Yeah, he was just hanging out, I guess. I don't oh. know. Maybe he's from a different city. I don't. Oh, if I find out he's from a different city, that'll be that. I am. Um, Someone from another scene coming here. I ordered, we, me and Billy both bombed and ordered our free food <laughs> separately. And then I ate a burger in like the quickest time you could possibly. It was just like five bites and put it down. I was like, I'm leaving everyone. <laughs> Billy walked up to me before when I first saw him and goes, Hey, man, I have to go. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yep. I assume something bad happened earlier. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and then I'm out the front of the pub and I go, Oh, there's an open mic down the road. It could be rough, but. It, I need to get this one back. And I go, uh, I could just walk home. It's a nice walk home as well. I go, uh, uh, uh. I go, nah, I'm going on the open mic. Let's make it happen. I got to get something out of this night. I don't mind bombing. I'll bomb, I'll bomb twice a night, seven seven days a week, three times on a Sunday. It's, mm-hmm. good. it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. I don't mind bombing at all. <laughs> bombing unproductively is just a waste of my time on God's green earth. Yeah. And so then I go to this open mic. Bomb even harder. <laughs> and now I'm walking home going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, but like... You did get to see a bit of open mic comedy, which is always fun. Yeah. Yeah, I saw some pretty... I saw some wild boys. Yeah, you see some absolutely heinous ideas just coming out of the youth. I saw some wild boys swinging wild. Dude, I bombed twice within the same half an hour to a total of like nine people. <laughs> From 8 to 8.30 last night, I don't know anyone on the East Coast who had a worse time than me. And also, including... <laughs> That's probably true. Also, I'm going to include in that that the meal I had was a disgrace. Yeah, the meal. I, Terrible I, food. It's awful food at that pub. Mate, a, a man... <laughs> someone found out that they, their wife is like unbelievably unwell. Had They got a bad diagnosis on that Monday night and Billy Darcy's emotions were similar. Dude, honestly... 10 to 8, I go on stage, I eat shit to five people. 8 o'clock, I come off, a man I've never met gives me comedy advice for five minutes. At 8.05, I get my schnitzel, which is the worst meal I've ever had in my life. At 8.10, I I arrive at an open mic down the road. I talk to the guy, he goes, I'll pull you straight on. At 8.15, I walk on and I bomb even worse than the previous bomb. At 8.20, I walk out of the open mic, I put my AirPods in and I go, fucking hell, dude. That is just a wild way to, to, to experience a Monday night. This is a fucking Monday, yeah? yeah. This is why cunts just want to sit at home and watch The Block. Yeah. So much better than this shit, dude. Dude, last time I went to open mic, I just felt... I was listening to Storms the outside being like, me and you, Stormzy, same same dude. We are both just worried about the youth of this city. The youth, mate. I'm fucking worried. <laughs> There's some unwell boys in there. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Anyway. All right, mate. Well, you got anything else? There's probably enough podcasting for today. Yeah, there's enough podcasting for a Tuesday. You.